Hey, chiropractors and marketers, we are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I'm bringing you another interview, and this will be with Dr. Jeffrey Lewin. He's going to bring a lot of good information around marketing and having a quote-unquote marketing department for your practice, which is exciting because one of the wins that I've had recently is delegating my private practices, marketing. I had a great vision talk with the group I brought in. I'm working hand-in-hand with them and trying to create the vision, but they'll be doing a lot of the implementation and bringing some of their unique abilities to my practice. So I'm, I'm delegating that. You know, I, I've mentioned on some previous podcasts and in the Facebook group that delegation is kind of the theme of uh, this summer, uh, the last couple months and, and the next few months, really try to delegate everything I can that is not within my unique abilities. Not that marketing isn't, but the actual mechanics of it and the, the doing it part of it is. And it's going. this is going to free me up to do more of the marketing creation, like the content creation, as well as networking. I think those are really the distilled version of what my unique ability is within marketing. And so uh, that's a big win. And it's now essentially attaching a marketing department uh, to my practice. And you'll hear more about that in the interview coming up. One of the obstacles that I've had within our practice in the, in the marketing aspect of it as well is I have two big campaigns going on at once. You know, campaigns are different than marketing strategies. You know, campaigns are kind of one-off things, whereas a strategy is a, as an approach uh, for, say, a year, a quarter, things of that nature. The two campaigns that I have going on right now, I know a few of you have heard me talk about the virtual summit and doing that for injury prevention for triathletes and kind of in the throes of that, which I'll be discussing more in details once I'm done with it. And we're having a sports recovery experience at the end of July, which I usually market for about 45 days prior. So in the middle of uh, doing both of those right now, and so it's uh, it's an obstacle, but it's going well and we're we're making it happen. And uh, as far as the Facebook highlight, uh, you know, actually to discuss the obstacle is the way. <laughs> There's a book. Uh, I posted a thread on there that that's one of the best books that I have read. But the actual post that I had was promoting the book that was also written by Ryan Holiday, who wrote Obstacle is the Way. Uh, and that book is called Ego is the Enemy. I think it's a book that we all need to read. I've read it a couple times, and I know it may not be related to marketing, but it is related to, say, business development. And I think sometimes we let our egos get in the way. And this is a book to really help to understand that and how to avoid your ego being the enemy. So uh, check out that book. I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's a good, easy read. Ryan Holiday is uh, fastly becoming one of my favorite uh, authors. And so I uh, highly recommend that book. All right. And then, uh, so with Dr. Jeffrey Lewin, he is a certified chiropractic sports physician and a graduate of New York Chiropractic College. Um, he's been down here in South Florida with me for a while. He has been in practice and business coach to thousands of doctors around the world. That's how I first uh, ran into Dr. Lewin was as a coach, uh, probably back in 2005, 2006, when I first started practicing. And we have kept in communication for quite a while. He's got quite a background, a lot of different 
different types of multidisciplinary practices and um, is an expert in growing chiropractic practices from a business standpoint and from a, a marketing. And so uh, today we're going to dive into the marketing aspect of things and we have a nice, well-rounded conversation uh, regarding this. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Jeff Lewin. All right, welcome to the show, Dr. Jeff Lewin. I really appreciate your time today. And before we dive into the meat and potatoes of some marketing, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, both uh, personally and professionally. Well, thanks, Kevin. It's really great to be with you today. To give you a little background about myself, I am a graduate of New York Chiropractic College, graduated back when it was still on Long Island in 1989. And I also have my CCSP from Logan College of Chiropractic. Okay. And my interest in sports will come into play in just a few moments. But I have had a total of five practices, four of them here in South Florida. Uh, one was actually outside of Boston, Massachusetts, that was able to be run remotely. And each of those practices was unique in its own way. My first practice, if it wasn't the first, it was certainly one of the first multidisciplinary practices in the United States. It was an amazing office where we had three chiropractors. We had an osteopath who was our medical provider, a nurse practitioner, physical therapist, massage therapy, acupuncture, podiatry. We even had a psychologist on staff. Wow. It was truly a wonderful place, very exciting. And even though it was a multidisciplinary practice and we did have medical in the office, what I truly found was that it was able to allow me to practice Basically, what amounted to was straight chiropractic, which was not my intent when I set out to do it, but it, it was something that I realized one day when I woke up going to the office and realized all I had to do was talk about chiropractic, and that was a cool thing. The other four practices were sports-centered practices. Two were a mixture of both cash and insurance, and two were purely cash-based practices, and that was really a lot of fun. I still live here in South Florida. And been married for going on 29 years. Yeah, we raised four sons, the youngest two of which just graduated high school. They're twins and they're getting ready to go off to college and looking forward to becoming an empty nester in just about a week's time. Have a little more free time on your hands, I'm assuming. I'm telling you, my wife is going to have to send me out to go take golf lessons or something. I don't know. <laughs> You know, obviously, we're both down in South Florida, and we've had the pleasure of chatting quite a few times in the past, and I know you've helped me out with some insights, and you've helped out many chiropractors, and you've obviously done it yourself. You know, with that being said, what is a key aspect in growing a practice and sustaining it for a lot of these chiropractors? The key word that you mentioned is sustain. You know, I've been a practice management coach for over 20 years, and taking care of literally thousands of doctors across the country. And one of the common themes that seems to come across the way with many docs is they don't work on having a sustained system to help grow their practice. You know, the common phone call is going to happen where my phone rings. Hey, Dr. Jeff, I'm in trouble. I need new patients. What do you got for me today? I got to get new patients in the door now. And while I can certainly give people those insights and make suggestions of things that they can do quite literally today to generate new business, I know for a fact that they're going to do what I tell them to do. They're going to get the results and then they're going to wipe the sweat off their forehead and go, whew, I am so glad I called Dr. Jeff. I'm glad we did that. And they take their foot off the accelerator. And then what happens? 
practice starts to go downward. And a month, two months, three months down the road, I get that same phone call once again. So creating a system, whatever that system is, that allows the doctor to get the type of patients that they want to have more of in their office is critical. And to work the system. Sure, there's going to be cycles during the course of the year, you know, depending upon where you're located. You know, here in South Florida, summertime tends to be a, a quieter time. Yeah, can we talk to that for a minute? Because I've had chiropractors reach out. Obviously, it's different. For some people, the summer is their boom season. Exactly. And for us, it's, I mean, I'm in Boca Raton, and I've read studies on the amount of population decrease in the summer, and it's pretty substantial. What is something that a chiropractor can do to offset that a little bit? I mean, obviously, for me in Boca, there's just no chance I'm going to see the same amount of patients in the summer that I am in the winter. Mm Mm-hmm. But how can one offset those types of lulls so they're not so deep? Sure. Well, there's a couple of things to do. First off, if you know that your summers are going to be a quieter time for you, plan in advance. First off, plan financially. Okay. Make sure that when you're really seeing those higher patient numbers, when you're really making some hay, set some money aside so that when you have the quieter times in the summertime, you're not sitting there trying to figure out where to get the money to pay the rent because the rent doesn't go away. You know, utilities, if anything, they go up here in South Florida in the summertime because it's 95 degrees outside. So you want to make sure that you have that financial wherewithal. But even more importantly than that is to plan in advance. If we know that by the end of April, the snowbirds are going to start to go away and they're going to fly north, then What you want to be doing is in February or March, going into April, start to ramp up your marketing efforts. You know, the reality is, is that while the snowbirds might be going away and many of our patients that are year-round residents might be taking vacations because the kids are out of school, parking lots are still full. There's still lines at the supermarket. People are here. So we need to perhaps take a look at what we're doing for practice building change what we're doing to attract more of the people that are living here year-round and put ourselves in front of those people where they happen to be. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's from the financial side of things, I did two things to offset it. One is obviously like a sinking fund or some money that's set aside. And then the second one was I based my expenses, like my monthly expenses that I know that I have to pay, I based them off what the low revenue months are for me is July, August. And so I base my expenses on that. And then, you know, December, January, February, March, November, those ones, I'm exceeding that. So that's helpful to do that. Very smart. Most people don't plan in that way. You know, they take a look at their checkbook. If there's money, they take it. (laughs) If there's no money, well, okay, well, then they do without. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know this now because I failed to plan for summer's and I would go by the seat of my pants, which, you know, I got away with, but a couple of years it was like, oh, this really stinks, you know? Oh, yeah. So I think we've all kind of learned from that. And then I think from a marketing standpoint, I realized for me is that although I do network and I want to network all the time, 12 months a year, there's going to be more time in the summer for me to meet people for coffee and network and do things like that. And so I try to ramp up my networking a bit, which doesn't cost me any money. That's right. Work on your relationship marketing. So if you, as an example, enjoy seeing personal injury patients, what are your traditional sources of personal injury patients? Well, go 
take some extra time and meet with some more attorneys that you might not have the time to do during the course of the year. Or maybe there's medical providers that are also an amazing source of personal injury patients. Get out and shake some hands. Have that cup of coffee. It's a great thing to do. Perfect. That makes sense. I appreciate that information. So kind of getting back to the sustainability, Mm -hmm. what are some keys to that as far as marketing and sustainability? So in addition to understanding what your business cycles look like throughout the course of the year, you want to utilize that information and craft a plan, quite literally to create a marketing manual for yourself. One of the things that I get very, very frequently are the phone calls, or sometimes I'll be at a conference and people pull me aside and say, hey, Dr. Jeff, what are some of the things that the most successful practices are doing today? And really what I know what they're asking me is, what's the technique? What's the gizmo? What's the (laughs) gadget? What's the fad that I need to start doing in my practice to sell to my patients that will give me that added revenue and make me the uber success that I strive to be? And really, that's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. What they're really asking me, or what my real answer is to them, is that the most successful practices in this country today are creating a marketing department. Okay. Sometimes people don't like to call it a marketing department, so call it a PR, public relations department, whatever suits you. But really, it's a marketing department. And sometimes that marketing department could be staffed solely by the doctor themselves. And that's fine. But they look upon that. They address their marketing system as a department in your office, just like you have your clinical department, you have your therapy department, you have your business department in your office. Marketing is a department as well. But the most successful practices today are establishing a marketing department, and they utilize that as the system to grow their practice. No, I think that's key because it's one of those things where people aren't doing that. And sometimes it seems like chiropractors feel like marketing's a dirty word and they don't want to even talk about it or have it, right? It's so true. <laughs> you know, but the reality is, is, you know, doctors of chiropractic are business people. If you're owning your own practice or if you are an associate doctor or an independent contractor and you're paid a bonus or a commission that's based upon your productivity in the practice, then you need to be able to get out there and market. Every business markets, every successful business markets. How you go about doing that, that can sometimes spell the difference between something that gives you poor to mediocre results or something that gives you truly outrageous results. That makes sense. Let me run something by you real quick with that because you said something. I don't want to forget it. Yeah. Because a lot of times people always talk to the business owner, but you, in that particular paragraph, also talked about, say, the associate or the independent contractor or partner or whatever it may be. Let's take the associate chiropractor. Yeah. And let's say they are compensated based on performance as well. And obviously, I think they should have that conversation with the owner and try to work together on a marketing department. But if the owner is not receptive or doesn't have the wherewithal for it, Would you recommend that associate kind of just have their own marketing department slash strategy for their own (laughs) well-being? Yeah. And it's something that I coach associate doctors to do every single day. Many associates, they come into a practice, especially if they're a new graduate, and they have this expectation that they're just going to be handed patients. And sometimes that does happen. But oftentimes they are awakened, sometimes quite rudely, by the fact that No, they're not going to be just handed these patients on a silver platter. 
that the uh, the elusive six-figure salary is not what they're going to be getting just because they happen to show up for work today, that they actually have to do something proactively to help create and generate their end of the practice, you know, being able to, to eat what you kill. And that might mean understanding how to generate patients internally. How can you professionally ask for referrals when it's appropriate? And how can you generate patients externally, going outside the four walls of the office to get new patients who could become your patients? Yeah, I think some of the most successful transitions I've seen from associates into their own practice are the ones that were doing those things as associates that are needed as business owners, and they were not just kind of resting on their on their laurels in a sense. And so there's yes. never a better time to get going on it. Absolutely. And whether they are going to envision themselves as being a lifelong associate, which could be a great thing for many people. And I know many super successful associates that have been working for the same doctor for 20 or 30 years. It's a great thing. But many associates are doing this for a period of time so they can get some experience, cut their teeth if they will, and save a couple of dollars to be able to go out and open up their own practice. So whatever their vision is for themselves, it's something that they can do. Perfect. And then what are a few key aspects of implementing and having your own marketing department? Well, it's interesting. You know, there's a paradox that exists. And what is that paradox? The paradox is, is that when docs are first getting started in practice, what do they have in most abundant supply? They got plenty of time. They might not have plenty of money, but they have plenty of time. So they take that time and they utilize it and invest it to get new patients in the door. Well, what happens? Well, hopefully that stuff works. And what ends up happening is they no longer have that time. And therein provides the fuel for those phone calls I was just mentioning. You know, And now they're riding that roller coaster of feast and famine. So what I recommend for people to consider doing that is that they are now in that situation where they don't have the time that they once had, hire a PR assistant, hire a marketing assistant, all right? Now, sometimes when we say a marketing professional that conjures up visions of high salaries, and sometimes if you put an ad out there online for such an individual, they're going to be having some pretty incredible expectations that are way above what a typical chiropractic practice is going to be able to afford. But to have a PR assistant, I think, lowers that bar of expectation and allows the doctor to hire somebody who can really do a wonderful job. And what could that look like? Yeah, I want to hear that. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, first of all, who could that person be? The person ideally could be one of your patients. Who better to help present you out in your community than somebody who has already experienced your services and has been willing to pay for those services out of their own pocket. That person has a level of, of buy-in as to who you are that you can't get simply by hiring somebody through a help wanted ad online. And then what are some of the few things that like some of the key aspects of that position, like what are they doing for the chiropractor? That can vary greatly depending upon what the vision is. Okay. But ideally, that person's job is going to be to implement the steps that are going to be taking place inside that marketing manual, if you will. Okay. And that manual could be a physical binder, a three-ring binder with a number of divider tabs, 12 minimally, January through December, and maybe some additional divider tabs that are going to be some ongoing internal and ongoing external marketing programs. 
and then behind each divider tab actually have a page that will outline the name of the particular marketing activity and what are the steps necessary to get that implemented so that we don't have to always recreate the wheel. In my practices, I always had a marketing assistant. And in one particular circumstance, I actually had two. This is back in the days where personal injury was hugely profitable here in the state of Florida. And I had one marketing assistant whose job it was to market to attorneys to generate personal injury referrals. And as you might imagine, that type of a personality is going to be pretty unique. They're going to have to be pretty much a shark going out there and networking with those attorneys. I had another marketing assistant whose job it was to head up my community relations And that might look like networking with medical doctors, might look like networking with other businesses or corporations that were in my community, setting up corporate health fairs, and also making sure that my internal marketing programs were implemented as well. And that takes a very different mindset, a very different personality. So I actually had two. And was it expensive? Not really. How much time did it really take? You know, I ask doctors all the time, if I gave you, you don't have time to market it, but if I gave you just 10 hours a week and said to you that the only things you can do with those 10 hours would be to plan or execute practice building activities, would that be a great thing? And the answer invariably is, yeah, that'd be awesome. And well, of course, I can't give somebody an extra 10 hours during the course of their week, but what they can do, they can buy that time from somebody else. So whether that marketing assistant is out there implementing or if they're merely teeing up the ball so that all I needed to do was show up and hit that ball, that was a great thing. That makes sense. You could basically hire them part-time based on need, pay them for that, and have them really just be the implementer of the marketing strategy that you developed. Exactly right. You know, There were times that I paid them a base salary, something that was modest, and then they were paid bonuses based upon certain successes. Obviously, we cannot bonus them based upon referrals, because that could generate all sorts of problems with anti-kickback, anti-referral things. We don't want to have uh, Stark or any state-specific fee-splitting or self-referral rules coming to light. But what I could do is bonus them based upon successes. Here's a, a simple example. You talked about meeting people for coffee. So one of my marketing assistants knew that they could set up a coffee shop meeting for me any day of the week. Monday through Thursday, right? I didn't do it on Fridays because for me personally, Friday was frequently a travel day to go speak at conferences around the country. But Monday through Thursday, starting at 7.30, and they can schedule their time any which way they wanted to. So they didn't need to call me. They didn't need to ask me. They just needed to say, hey, Dr. Jeff, you're meeting a paralegal from this firm or you're meeting this particular attorney over at Starbucks at 7.45 on Tuesday. Great. So all I had to do is show up and meet that person at 7.45 on Tuesday. The great thing about those coffee shop meetings is that they're short in duration. You know, it's 7.45, well, by 8.30 or so, that meeting is wrapping up. Basically, they last about as long as it takes to drink a cup of coffee. And since we were typically the ones doing the inviting, we picked up the tab. So even if you both order big cups of the fancy coffee, (laughs) it's not going to cost more than a $10 bill. Very different from the way that I initially started building my practice, where we would do attorney lunches. Yeah. The big joke with lawyers back in the 90s, maybe even early 2000s was, you know, hey, if you're an attorney and you're hungry, 
don't worry. Call a chiropractor. They'll take you out to lunch and they'll pick up the tap. <laughs> yep. You're not going to take them to Chick-fil-A. You're going to take them to someplace nice, right? And all of a sudden, that little lunch, all of a sudden, might cost 40 or $50, even without alcohol, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want to be drinking in the afternoon. And that all of a sudden now becomes a measurable line item on your balance sheet, on your P&L report. Well, if it's a coffee shop meeting, I can do a bunch of those. My limit, though, is three in a day. Okay. You know, where I would have one in the morning. I might have one in the late morning or early afternoon. I might have a late afternoon one, but it's certainly by the time, if I'm having one that's three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, we're definitely switching to decaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was an incredible way that was both efficient on budget and efficient on time. Well, I might bonus my marketing assistant for setting up each coffee shop meeting that was successfully executed. Okay. That's a great thing to do. That makes sense. For sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I, I get that question a lot. And I, in the Facebook group, we get that question as far as the marketing assistant and, and how to compensate them. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. That's a great thing for them to do. So give them a balance of both internal and external programs. Make sure that you set them up for success. So if they have the type of a personality that you know is all warm and fuzzy, well, give them things that are going to be more likely to be successfully implemented by that type of a personality type. And if you have somebody who's a shark, well, get them outside the four walls of your office and you know, meeting and greeting and shaking hands with people. I would also bring my marketing assistant to networking events. So whether it was a cocktails and conversations after hours networking program or a chamber of commerce networking program, rather than just me going by myself, and getting potentially stuck talking to somebody who doesn't want to have an exchange of information but only wants to listen to what they have to say, we would play off of each other. We could divide and conquer the room and be able to have twice as many people that we can reach out to and connect with. You know, Or we can also keep our eyeball on each other, making sure that we're not getting stuck with any one person for too long a period of time that perhaps we don't want to be stuck with. That makes a lot of sense because that happens to me all the time. <laughs> oh, it happened to me, and that's why I came up with that process, and it worked really, really well. All right, so let me kind of capsulate that a little bit where it seems like, okay, you have the marketing assistant. You sit down and you develop a very well-developed marketing strategy and budget. You have that outlined for the year, which I think is huge. And then between you and that marketing assistant, you're just – really implementing that. And it's a combination of internal marketing strategies and making sure that's happening as well as networking and other types of new patient marketing, correct? Exactly. And a measure of success is that you can actually ask yourself at any given moment in time what you're doing for marketing. And you should be able to minimally quote at least two internal and at least two external things that you're either planning or about to execute at any given time. Perfect. And then when you say internal, there's like events on site or can that be even like a direct mail campaign, an email strategy? What would be the details of that? Yeah. So that could be anything that takes place inside the four walls of your office. So that could be you know asking patients for referrals, doing a mail campaign, a reactivation campaign, your website, your Facebook page, blogging posting videos to your YouTube channel and across your internet presence. All of that I would consider to be internal marketing. External marketing is actually leaving the four walls of your office physically and 
meeting, greeting, or doing things that are going to attract new patients that are not yet within the four walls of your office. You know, the one thing that we've implemented over the last few years that's kind of a mix of the two, and I call it using online marketing for an offline event, or you can Mm. call it external for internal. And and what I've done is we have these uh, quarterly sports recovery experiences on a Saturday. I've got all kinds of fun pieces of equipment and you know, from 10 to 2, once a quarter, we open it up for anybody to come in and try it out for free. We have food. We have all kinds of, you know, our massage therapist is there doing chair massage. It's quite an event. And we invite 50 people, usually 35 to 45 show up. And what it does is it's not only a great internal event that when people are there, but it also forces us for about 45 days to do a lot of external marketing, you know, getting out, passing out flyers, talking to gyms, talking to other entities to let them know about it. And then it also drives our online marketing where we'll run a, you know, a campaign on Facebook to a landing page to sign up and, you know, just different things like that. And so just around one event, it gives us like 45 days of just, you know, getting out there. That's an outstanding thing to do. The one challenge, and I'll put the word challenge in quotations, I see with that approach and it might not be a challenge for you, is to not only focus on that one event during that 45-day ramp-up, but to also have your eye on what's going to happen next. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a challenge for sure. No, no doubt about it. It is a challenge. It. Yeah. it happens. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But to always be planning beyond that 45-day mark, because the time's going to come that that sports recovery event is going to take place. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do the following Monday? You know, I think that's just a great point, and I think a lot of people don't think about that. And, and frankly, I, I didn't even think about it until you said it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely has happened in the past where you kind of put all your eggs into that one event basket and you, you forget about everything else. Yeah, and then you wake up on Monday morning after that event happened thinking, wow, that was a great success. Yeah. And now there's nothing on the agenda to move forward. And it takes you 30 days to get going. <laughs> exactly. And now you bought yourself a ticket on that roller coaster. Perfect. All right. That's a good point for our audience out there as well, is if you've got these types of one-off events and campaigns, make sure it doesn't distract you from the other aspects of your marketing. Exactly. Perfect. Cool. Thank you. That was good. One of the best things about having a podcast is sometimes I get some pearl that's a game changer for me. So I thank you for that. You're welcome. Oh, my pleasure. All right. That was great information. I appreciate it. And I wanted to ask you in particular, because I know you've got your, your hands on the pulse of the profession and you have for quite a while. And what has you most excited right now about the chiropractic profession? You know, there's a lot of stuff. It's very easy to look at the stuff that is creating challenges for the chiropractic profession, because that's the stuff that we definitely deal with all the time. Insurance is not fun anymore. Dealing with cash is always a stressor for a lot of people. How do we get patients to actually stay and pay for the services that we provide? But one of the things that truly excites me about our profession today is that most chiropractors that are going into chiropractic today are not doing it solely because they heard that they can make a lot of money as a chiropractor. I remember when I was a student at NYCC, there were actually people in my class who had never been to a chiropractor, had never received a chiropractic adjustment, which just blew my mind, blew my mind. I mean, I'd been a chiropractic patient since I'm 16 years old. And to meet people who are in their mid to late 20s who are now going into a profession that they had no idea about was just unconscionable. And they did it because they heard that they can make a lot of money as a chiropractor. Today's chiropractor, they're going into chiropractic because they truly believe in chiropractic. 
And as a result, we're getting some incredibly intelligent doctors. The students that are going to chiropractic school today are truly brilliant. And that, to me, speaks wonders for what the future of this profession is going to be, that we're going to be able to communicate with other healthcare professionals, with insurance carriers, with whomever, but we're going to be able to present chiropractic in a way that is professional and that is scientific, that is not purely based upon only chiropractic philosophy, but is truly based upon science as well. And that's something that excites me about our profession today. Perfect. Yeah, me too. You know, I, I know a lot of people are down on certain aspects, but I wouldn't change being a chiropractor in this time for anything, including the Mercedes 80s. <laughs> That's it. There was benefits to being in practice in those yeah. days, but it was too easy. Mm-hmm. Today, it's a challenge, and I think it's allowing us to return to our, our heritage roots as chiropractors. That's an incredible thing. Perfect. All right. I'm not going to take up too much of your time. That was a great insight, and I appreciate that. Sure. What is a, a book that you have to recommend our audience that would help them out? One book. You know what? I'm going to overachieve here. I don't have one. Can I give you two? Absolutely. (laughs) Let's do it. Number one, there's a great book out there and it's small. And it's a book that's been out for a while. It's called Who Moved My Cheese? Ah, read that. I think most people, if they're into reading business development books, everybody's come across it. It's a short book. I don't think it's even 100 pages long. And it's written by a guy named Spencer Johnson, who is an MD. No, oh, okay. He's actually a medical doctor. I'm going to swear that he was a chiropractor in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to read this book, which is simple and it's told in parable form, that will allow you to approach your practice and learn to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's going on in your practice, perhaps in a way that you've never done before, to act with specific purpose in doing so. So that's my favorite book, number one. Another book is also in the business category. It's slightly larger, but still very short. And it's called Raving Fans. Raving Fans. And that's written by a master of business development, and that's Ken Blanchard. Each of those books can be found in Amazon. You can even go into a brick-and-mortar store and probably find them on the shelf there as well. But it's a way of approaching patients as customers and thinking about the quality of service that we offer our patients in our office to not merely have satisfied patients, because satisfied patients don't refer. It's creating patients who are excited and motivated, who are going to want to stand on their rooftop and sing your praises and refer anybody and everybody who they know can benefit from chiropractic care to your office. That's a big one. Thank you for those. And I know that you've been extremely helpful in our Facebook group, and I thank you for that. And I know you're working with a lot of chiropractors, and so if someone's interested in reaching out to you, how can they get a hold of you? Email, super easy way. I'm uber responsive to emails. They can reach me at drjefflewin at gmail.com. So it's D-R-J-E-F-F-L-E-W-I-N at gmail.com. Great way to do it. They can call me directly. My cell phone is always either in my pocket or right by my right hand at all times. And I have no problem in giving out my cell phone number to anybody. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Great. So that's uh, 954-205-3479. And Facebook is also a great way to reach out to me. And they can find me on Facebook at Jeff Lewin. And they can find me there. I'm the Jeff Lewin, who's the chiropractor living in Parkland, Florida. Perfect. I thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Kevin. I really enjoyed being with you on the podcast today. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.